0: Hey everybody, this is Dr. Joseph Tropper, and I wanted to share a couple of thoughts to you today. Uh, six lessons about the Titan tragedy. And by no means do I know anybody who was on it personally, and I have only the deepest sympathy to the family members. But I want to talk about some psychological points that a lot of my clients have been pointing out to me, and some things that have been on everybody's mind. I saw uh, you know, a recent social media post where somebody said, you know, why is everybody talking about it so much? And I think I have a couple of reasons why everybody's talking about it so much. And, and I think that I hope that they will all be insightful. I do want to say that, unfortunately, as soon as I heard about them being missing and knowing so much about Titanic, which is definitely something that um, I'm very fascinated by um, for my own personal learning and and love of history, um, and, and of course, it's a very, very tragic situation. Um, it was eerily apparent to me that it was not going to end well, um, from the beginning. And, um, I think that some of the mystique and some of the, um, fascination about it actually is part of that. So I'm going to share six ideas with you as to why, um, this submersible, you know, item, which contained, I believe five people, um, has moved us so much and has gotten our attention by so much. Um, and these are just things for you to think about. Number one, we have a tremendous regard for life, Um, The Coast Guard and the many, many um, other countries, United States, Canada, other countries that invested um, thousands of people for manpower, um, and of course, many private citizens as well, um, and the probably tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment that it took, shows that we have a very deep regard for life. And that's something amazing. Um, And when we hear about somebody who um, is doing something that, um, that, despite it being dangerous, but was doing something that has now turned into a possible emergency. We all mobilize and we want to help. And so I think one of the reasons that we got that attention um, is because we um, understand a a human regard for life. Now, I understand that some people could say, and and there was an article about this as well, you know, well, a, a migrant ship went down and hundreds of people died. I get that. But from where we stand, we often gravitate towards sympathy, towards people who are like us. And so if we have a migrant background, we might be more compassionate to that. A migrant background means that you yourself are that. You don't care if your parents were. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that much. Um, I'm a fourth generation American. I don't consider myself a, a migrant, um, although many people might respectfully look at uh, that differently. And I, and I understand that. So but when you have other you know citizens that are regular Americans, just like you and I, although I'll say more about that in a moment, um, that does catch our attention. And we have a very high regard for human life. And so it's very, very tragic and scary when we hear about somebody who's in danger. And we, I, I think that one of the ways that we see the beauty of, of humans um, is in how they mobilize and respond to try to save each other and help each other out. And um, we all would like to think that if, God forbid, something like that happened to us where we were seemingly in a vulnerable situation that everybody would mobilize to save us. And I think that to a certain degree, the world would in ancient times and earlier times, I should should say, you know, a hundred years ago, many cities have documentation where if one person got sick and the medicine was very, very expensive, everybody would chip in because nobody was able to afford it. And that would make it that it was kind of the built in insurance system. In fact, the entire, um, the entire, uh, field of insurance actually, um, came from ships where, uh, each of the ship, uh, shippers had a, had a big risk at sea and nobody could afford, so sometimes your entire business could go down by losing one ship. And so there was kind of a uh, first unspoken, but then it became an official thing where everyone paid a certain percentage and everybody got together in order to protect everybody else. So we have that pact as human beings. And I think that when we hear about somebody in danger, it gets our attention. Number two is we all have a fear of death. Um, and, and, and number three is going to be that nature of death as well which we'll get to we have a fear of death and when we hear about a 19 year old or people that are young and healthy and vibrant and explorers no matter how old they are whether they're 19 or 73 the point is that um it shakes us to the core because it makes us recognize that we're also vulnerable human beings and especially if they're you know billionaires or have lots of money that doesn't stop death death never stopped you know uh, in fact the titanic itself took down some of the richest people including the strauss family who apparently is a great great grandfather of people of, of of uh, one of the spouses so um the point is that we all have a fear of death and this evokes that fear very very um in our face and more than that we have we have a desire for uh doing fun things but of course we all draw our line about where we're willing to do that are we willing to go bungee jumping or are we willing to go uh you know gliding or other dangerous things i think you and i I I can speak for myself. I certainly would have never entered that, and I never plan on going on a submersible ever in my life. Um, But, of course, there are other fun things that I do that that might involve some risks. For example, I like bike riding. right? So everything has a risk. And so I think that that balance of fear of death versus wanting to be an adventurer is something that's evoked in us, and that also catches our attention. Uh, Number three, is the nature of a death it was a very uh, yes you could read the articles and hear the speeches that it was probably a very very quick death and it was probably painless i know people like to focus on that and i have a lot to say about that but i'm not going to right now all i'm going to say is that i don't know about you but when i hear about somebody trapped underwater or i hear about explosion or implosion whatever it is that doesn't sound very pleasant um, and i've spoken to a number of kids who were very very traumatized by some of the news that they heard and by the way please be careful how you talk to kids especially young kids um, because this really is a very sensitive topic for them. And, and uh, we don't want them to become afraid of water, or things like that. We want them to understand that this was a dangerous place in a dangerous place of the ocean, and a dangerous activity to be doing as well. Um, and unfortunately, something went, went very wrong. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to repeat some of the things I've heard from kids, which might sound insensitive. But kids ask very, very straight questions. For example, where's the body? And the reality is that since 1912, Uh, Many bodies have still not been found and probably will never be found for many, many reasons that I'm not going to say on this podcast, but you and I both understand that. Um, So the nature of a death is very scary, whether it's through drowning uh, with some of the kids that ask things like, well, maybe they just swam to the top or through implosion or through whatever it was, fire, whatever it was. I'm sure we'll find out later. Number four is that this is a tragedy. And so that gets our attention as well when something tragic happens. Um, putting aside the death and the, and the method and everything else, it's just plain a tragedy. And tragedies get our attention and we think about them and they're very, very humbling. And there's what to think about. Number five, I'm going to say it just because I think it's true and it needs to be said. It's not true for everybody, but some people are jealous of the people that were there, maybe because of their wealth or because of their privilege. And I think therefore people are more interested in that. Um, and I think that's what to think about um, as far as how we prioritize our lives. And finally, the last thing, Um, I think that we all recognize that the frailty of life and the vulnerability of life. And again, even though that kind of has a repetitious flavor of some of them, and I'll go through, you know, item number one was that we have a regard for life in itself. Number two is that we have a fear of death. Number three is the nature of the death. Number four is that it was just a tragic experience. Number five is that maybe there's some tinge of jealousy people have towards the people that were there. But number six is that the frailty of life wakes us up. And I hope that we will look at it. And I know everyone reacts to things differently, but I hope that we could just kind of check in with ourselves, see how we're feeling, and take a step back and say, you know, I don't have to um, obsessively read every single article, listen to every single article about it, or watch every single infograph about what happens at 10,000 miles down and 20,000 and 30,000, although we've all gotten, you know, a naval um, education, but I could just kind of focus on what's important in my life. And as I always say to try to be practical... Um, number one, check in with yourself and see how you're feeling. Number two, check in with your loved ones and see how they're feeling. Number three, focus on productive things so that you're not obsessing all day just reading things. And number four, if things are upsetting you, then limit them and talk them through with somebody that you could um, get that support and calm yourself down about. And number five, think about the frailty of life and your loved ones and the things that you would like to do with your life in a productive way. Thank you so much for joining and I hope that this enlightened you and inspired you. Have a great day.